Jesus commands my destiny. You know, as we think about the life that we have been called to live as a Christian, I want you to think about it this way. When you decided to take on Christ as your Lord and Savior and Master, when you made that decision, whether it was a week ago or 10 years ago or 60 years ago, I don't know when it was for you when you became a Christian, but when you made that decision, you were immersed not just into the water, you were immersed into the life story of Jesus. And so what we read on the pages of Scripture, the story of Jesus, when you were immersed into that, this story became your story. And so from that moment on, Jesus commands your destiny. So over the last few weeks as we have looked at our life and what Jesus has really called us to, I want you to think about daily we are bombarded with life. We are bombarded with chasing after things and pursuits, possessions, power, positions, reputation, and sometimes we chase after all those things to the extent that we think that's who we are, that our life is found in our careers or that our life is found in whatever you're pursuing. And yet, all the way through Scripture, page after page after page, I really believe one of the things that we see just screaming off the page to us is this, that true life is found in living for the kingdom of God. To live for this kingdom means to take on the character and to take on the very compassion of who Jesus is. And when you do that, you're taking on the values that will be present when the kingdom is fully realized at the return of Christ. And we're putting those into practice right now. When Jesus comes back, and we don't know when that's going to be, but when he comes back, he wants to see his followers serving and putting into practice all the things that it means to be a disciple of his. And the neat thing is this, they are yours right now because you and I are to live out the values of the king. I want you to think about that for a moment. We are to live out the values of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. When you look at those little iPods that we've been talking about, you could say this. In order for that iPod to really function, the battery has to be charged. And so you could say that the life of the iPod is its battery. 
Because without that battery, there's no life, there's no power, and lo and behold, I hate to tell you, but there's no music. What are we going to do when the iPod runs out? Your mom and dad are probably going to shout hallelujah. Well, no, they won't because they have them in their, they have the earbuds stuck in too. I forgot. I want to go back and remind you of a quote of one of my favorite authors, Philip Yancey. He wrote this. He says, although most of us believe in an afterlife, he says, no one much talks about it anymore. Christians believe we will spend eternity in a splendid place called heaven. Isn't it a little bizarre that we simply ignore heaven acting as if it doesn't matter? And so I want to ask that question this morning. Does heaven really matter? I want you to think about that question this morning. What difference does it make right now that we know more about heaven and God's future plan for my life? Or, ask it this way, how should we live right now in the light of what we know about the future? How do we live right now in what we know about the light of the future? You see, what we need to understand maybe is this. What difference does it make now that we know What we think about heaven determines what we think about the present. I want you to think about that for a moment. What we think about heaven determines what we think about the present. C.S. Lewis, I love his words on this thought. He says it this way. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this one. So for the large part, he says, we just cease to just think altogether of the other world, of heaven, so we become so ineffective in this one. Not one of us here this morning wants life to be just average. At least not many of us are willing to admit that. But by nature, we want our lives to be full, to be prosperous, And that's why we live in a world today that's just saturated with these slogans. Who says you can't have it all? Or just do it. Or this one, satisfy your thirst. What is your thirst? It's wide open, isn't it? Satisfy your thirst. Life is a journey. And then, I like this one, enjoy the ride. Do you enjoy the ride of a Christian? Are you enjoying the life that God has called you to live as one of his children? Orson Sweat Martin said this, There's no greater sight in the world than that of a person fired with a great purpose dominated by one unwavering aim. And so this week I asked a question to various folks. I says, what is it that keeps you from living the life that Jesus intended for you to live? And not just for you, but Christians in general. What is it that keeps us as people of faith from really living the life that Jesus has intended for us to live? I heard this. 
have had a bad experience in life. Or I did something long ago or maybe recently that you regret and the memories keep coming back to haunt you from living a life today. One said this, distractions fill my life. What distractions? Life, work, kids, and you can just fill in the blank. And you can sit there all day long and say, well, those are all things that God gives us. Yes, I know that, and you know that. But sometimes we let the very things that God gives to us, sometimes we use them in the wrong way. What else do you think really keeps us from living the life for Jesus? Here's the most common. I struggle forgiving myself. Now, more than likely, out of those four or five categories that I just gave, you probably find yourself in one of those. And here's what happens especially to the point that we have a hard time forgiving ourselves, we become paralyzed by fear. We become paralyzed by the very thing that Jesus gave us, life itself. Who's driving that bus, church? Satan. From the very beginning in the garden... Satan has not stopped working, has he? And he wants to work in your life in such a way that he paralyzes you to the very things that Jesus has called you to take hold of. The very values that Jesus says, here they are, grab on, enjoy the ride. That's not Jesus' words. But you know what I mean. Grab on to it. Sometimes... We don't grab because Satan has us right where he wants to. And yet, all of our life, we've heard this. The power of Christ is big enough and strong enough to conquer anything that we struggle with. Amen? But do we always live tapping in to that power? In ancient Rome, here's what the Romans did. They had developed a particularly horrible way to deal with murderers. They would take the murderer and they would tie him face to face with his victim. And he would live bound to the rotting corpse of his victim until he himself had died. Man, that's pretty bad, isn't it? You see, without forgiveness of sin, there's no way for mortal man to escape being face-to-face with the torment of their past unless they allow God to free them from that terrible curse. And that's all sin is. It's a terrible curse. And it brings separation between you and God. It brings separation from the fact that it keeps you, whatever that sin is, it keeps you from living a holy life 
before God. And so that's why throughout the Gospels, Jesus repeatedly said things like this. I am the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. Read this next one with me. Because I live, you also will live. And look at the next one. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come, they may have life and have it to the full. And then John 11, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. But you see, there's still that problem. Just like the batteries in our electronic devices, we still age and decay and eventually we just die. And so how can this mortal body become immortal? How can that which is perishable become imperishable? Well, what we need is a different battery, a different life source. And so I want you to turn with me this morning to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And as we think about over the past few weeks, this idea of when we come face to face with Christ, the values that he wants us to take up, I surrender. The idea of denying everything that we want and laying it at the feet of Jesus and being who he wants me to be and allowing him to shape and to mold so that he can use us how he sees fit. So I surrender. And we've looked at I serve. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever becomes first must be your slave. Last week we looked at the, uh, the importance of I give and living a life. Being a giving person every day of life. And so today we come to the truth I live. And so here's what, here's what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6 beginning in verse 2. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a, what kind of life, church? A new life. If we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ... We believe that we also live with him. For we know, verse 9, that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. You see, Paul says, when you were baptized into Christ... And do you see the story that we were baptized into? His death, his burial, his resurrection, his entire life. 
We're buried into that. We're immersed into that. So we put to death the old body of sin. We crucified our sinful past. And we allowed our mortal bodies to be buried in a watery grave. And then we were lifted back up out of the water, resurrected to be a new person. That's the beauty. That's the transformation that took place. All the gift and all the workings of God. And so in baptism, Paul says, we're not only bearing the past, but we're being reminded of the fact that when Jesus comes again, we're going to be resurrected from the earthly grave just like we were brought back from the watery one. And so in this biblically mandated action, here's what Paul says in a nutshell. God took out the old life source. He took out the old battery. He removed that sin that had powered our lives up to that point. Just like removing that old battery that was going to decay and die. And he replaces it with a new one. Which gives new life source. Go back to Ezekiel chapter 36 for a minute. In verse 26. And listen to these words. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I like this next part. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to take away, God says, that stony heart of your flesh, and I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to give you a new spirit. And so if you read the rest of Romans 6, for sake of time, I'm not going to do that this morning. If you read the rest of Romans 6, here's what Paul says. Don't try putting that old battery back in. And I want you to think about that for a minute. If God has taken it away... There's freedom in that, isn't there? If God has taken it away, why do we try so hard and fight against that? Why do we allow Satan to paralyze us in the very thing that Christ has freed us from? Have you thought about that? Why do we allow Satan to have that foothold? Why do we let Satan have his way? We sung the song this morning, Oh, to be like thee, stamp thine own image on my heart. What is it for you this morning? What is it that's keeping you from really living life? The way God's intended for you to live. I surrender. I serve. I give. I live. Can you really say that this morning? Look what Paul says. You can look right over here to the banner. In Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. 
But Christ lives, where church? In me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Look at verse 12 of chapter 6. Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you're not under law, but you're under grace. You need to come to the point in your life where you realize this. There's not a thing that I can do about yesterday. There's not a thing that I can do about my life a month ago. There's not a thing I can do about my life a year ago or however long. All I can do is start anew right now. And that's why every day of your life you need his mercy and you need his grace. Because at the point when you say, I've done all I can do, Lord, and I'm not sure we say that enough. I've done all I can do. God says, okay, I got the rest. I got your back. Here's grace. Here's mercy. And oh, by the way, you're going to need a little more of that tomorrow and a little bit more the next day. And so I'm going to be there to give that to you. So every day, we can really live the life God's called me to live. Amen? And we can be that shining light and that shining example to others that when they see us, they see Jesus. And when we mess up, and we're going to, God's there to forgive. And folks, let me tell you this. If Christ has forgiven you, you have no choice but to forgive your brother or sister in Christ, no matter what it is. It may be hard. It may be whatever you think. I don't know. But it is the right thing to do, to reach out and say, I forgive you. So I'm going to ask you this morning. Who is it right now in your life that you need to forgive? Maybe it's not a person. Maybe it's a circumstance. Maybe it's an event. Maybe it's, I don't know what it is. I need to be free from that, God. I need to be free from it so I can live life the way you've intended me to live. Because anything can keep you from being the person God's called you to be. Anything can. But the longer you allow it to stay that way, whose whose problem is that? Christ has freed you. Enjoy that. 
I love the words to the song Crucified with Christ. The singing group, Phillips, Craig, and Dean, they say it this way. When I look back at what I thought was living, I'm amazed at the price that I chose to pay. And to think that I ignored what really mattered because I thought the sacrifice would be too great. But when I finally reached the point of giving in, I found the cross was calling even then. And even though it took dying to survive, I've never felt so much alive. For I am crucified with Christ, and yet I live, not I but Christ that lives within me. His cross will never ask for more than I can give, for it's not my strength but his. There's no greater sacrifice, for I'm crucified with Christ, and yet I live. And I will offer all I have so that his cross is not in vain. For I have found to live as Christ and die is truly gain. Once again, what is it in your life that you need to say, I'm done with that. I'm going to let God deal with it. I'm going to die to that. And I'm going to live to Christ. For I've been crucified, and I no longer live, but Christ lives right here. And so if Christ lives right here, you've got values, you've got purpose, and you've got meaning to live out and to uphold. Will you do that? And if there's anything in a public way this morning that you need your church family to pray for, we're going to be down here this morning to minister to you and to pray with you. Folks, let me tell you, having prayer warriors behind you is a great, great gift in the family of God called the church. Because here's the deal. If one of you in this room is suffering, we all suffer. When you rejoice, we all rejoice. And so if there's something that's really keeping you from flying the way that Christ wants you to fly, come this morning and make it right as we stand and as we sing.